What's up, everybody? This is one of your hosts, Carson, with the Benchformers and Waterboys podcast. Today, we've got a special show for you. Today, we have me, Daniel, and friend mm. of the show and guest host, the one and only, the bearded one, Tyler Volk. How are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Pretty good. Uh, fresh meat. Yeah, so this is a weird show because Tyler and John are both spending some quality time with their families, their wives, and podunk middle of nowhere, wow. nobody cares. So um, they're out of the picture for this week. Uh, Thatcher is uh, a responsible young adult who likes to fly planes sometimes. Mm. And he is currently in flight school uh, and he's probably about 10,000 feet in the air right now. So he is unable to join us. Uh, so that just leaves us three. Um, so Tyler, I hope you're ready to, uh, to get into this with us today. Oh yeah, I'm excited. Well, let's just jump into this then. Pat Mahomes just signed a 10-year, half-billion-dollar contract. What do y'all think? Dude, I'm kind of blown away. Like, on one hand, it, like, it totally makes sense. Like, he is incredible and obviously deserving of a contract of that size. On the other hand, you almost think, you know, what is NFL deals? What do those look like in five, ten years? So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where I think, yeah, it's, I think it's awesome. He's getting the money. It also puts their team, I think, in a tough spot, though, giving – that much money just guaranteed to a player so it's kind of one of those things where i think it's deserved but it's going to be kind of tough for kansas city i think yeah for sure and i think especially if if any of you can stay around for that long then it probably will work out in the end but at the same time that's that's a lot of money to to be spending on one player i mean it's a qb in general but still Mm -hmm. i I I think agree i think it would make way more sense if it was tied to a percentage of the cap uh, because mm. then it's fluctuating and the cap uh, historically has gone up several million dollars every year over the last few years. Right. Um, I don't know if that'll be the case for the next couple of years, just because of the coronavirus and the financial impact that it might have on the league. Um, but nonetheless, the NFL is a growing um, entertainment business and they are going to make their money regardless. And Pat Mahomes is a good example of that. And he is going to be a very, very wealthy man by the time this is over. I mean, he's already a very wealthy man. I think he's had. Oh yeah. I don't know how many million dollars of a signing bonus, but I will say it's pretty interesting though, because they only added something like $30,000 to the cap this year, which puts them in a good spot this year because they were already pretty tight. Um, But I know a lot of that is going to hit at some point in the future. I think in like uh, 2024, something like $50 million against the cap in just that one year alone. Yeah. With as many weapons as they have, you you think that this could be kind of hard to keep all the pieces together Mm -hmm. in a couple of years. So that's, yeah where I think money's going to get tied up and they're going to have a hard time, I think, keeping a consistent playoff contention team. But Yeah, yeah. Um, fun fact, um, Pat Mahomes is now, the, has, is now the owner of the largest contract in sports history, and it's the first time that it's ever been awarded to a football player. Uh, it's usually either soccer mm-hmm. or baseball. So this is, uh, this is a big baseball. deal in sports history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, let's move on. Um, I got this about an hour ago while I was on the road. Raheem Mostert has requested a trade from the 49ers. What do y'all think of this? Todd, I'll let you start on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting considering that he was one of the main players down the stretch that really helped them get towards the, the playoffs and the Super Bowl run, um, especially with the way that they do the zone runs and, and everything. Um, and quite honestly, he was the best running back on the team last year. I mean, mm-hmm. even out, out playing Coleman, who – I was looking at his contract and it's, it's the one that got paid. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's right around five and a half million, which is about 
you know, 15th in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and he definitely wasn't playing that way for them. And no. so I think Mostert is trying to want to get um, a contract around that kind of amount. Otherwise, he's he's trying to bounce. Yeah, I think this is just a leverage play. I think this is him just telling the team that he wants to be the highest paid running back on the team since he is going to be the best right. running back on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm a little selfish, though. I, I want Mostert to be traded purely because in our dynasty league um, that you both of you are in, um, <laughs> I have Tevin Coleman. And Tevin Coleman has basically been useless to me. And uh, this would immediately vault him into being uh, a guy that I could probably start more often than not, which is exciting. Yeah, <laughs> since I think I've definitely tried to trade him. if he does get moved, I think Tevin Coleman takes a huge jump up. And, you know, they don't have Brita anymore. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where if it does, if you just move, it's going to shift things up quite a bit. But yeah, yeah. I'm kind of with you. I think this is a leverage play. I think mm-hmm. he's just trying to get paid more. And he is definitely deserving of that paycheck. So yeah, I think things will probably get worked out. And it's probably just, this is probably gonna be more hype than anything else. Yeah, Tyler, Daniel, don't tell anybody, but I think that uh, hopefully I can try and trade Coleman away in our Dynasty League before this uh, this gets uploaded. Dude, you so, better start uh, making deals. Yeah, I got I to I gotta start sending off with right now. Um, but yeah, so uh, Raheem Mostert has requested a trade. I personally don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't think it's the right thing to do for the 49ers. The 49ers have no reason to trade him. They've got two years left on his deal. He's cheap, and he's right. good. He's a guy that they want to play. So um, I don't think it'll be a problem. But, yeah, I was playing it out in my head, and I was thinking, like, if he does get traded, where does he go? And I just looking at all these teams, like, there's just not a whole lot of places right now that have he's not going to be the main guy anymore. Be, yeah, to jump in and be number one. So I think, I think he stays. I no think problem. that there are maybe two or three spots that I can think of. Um, I could, I could potentially see the Seahawks, um, mm-hmm. maybe the Patriots, uh, if they didn't want to commit oh, to Sony Michelle, and they could dump his first round contract. And uh, maybe maybe some place like the Jets, because I know the Jets were talking about trying to get rid of that Le'Veon Bell contract if they weren't in uh, playoff contention by the trade deadline. So um, I think those three spots could be interesting. But once again, I don't think he's going to be traded. So. All righty. Well, we've got a we've got a jam packed show for you all today. Um, we've got would you rather we've got a couple questions for that one. We've got some fantasy football, a new segment titled pawn shop i think y'all are gonna really like that one then we're gonna do a couple keep trade cut we're gonna wrap up on our potential sleepers and then we have a fun draft and as always we'll save that for the end so are y'all are y'all ready to go tyler are you ready to really dive into your first time on the bench warmers and water boys podcast i am so ready all right then i'm gonna lead this off and i'm gonna let you answer this first keep trade cut yourself or would you rather are you ready i'm ready would you rather feel like you always need to pee or always need to sneeze? That, that's a great question. Um, but, man, I, I feel like I always have the need to, to pee already. So I feel like may as well just, just take that. I want to have both of them, you know? Yeah. Daniel? Yeah, I feel like maybe I could operate better if I always have to pee versus always feeling the need to sneeze. Like, yeah. I feel like that just makes it hard to focus on anything, right? That's just like like – when I have to sneeze, like I start like my nose gets all weird and my eyes kind of water sometimes if I hold it too long. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I think peeing, it's just going to be a lot easier to try and manage. That. This, is a, <laughs> this is a close one for me because it, it depends on how bad I need to pee. Like if it's like, I'm going to explode in T minus 10 seconds, or is it, I can hold it for like, for like another 30 minutes for another couple exits, you know? But uh, if it, I, th- I feel like a sneeze is just pretty general. Like you either need to sneeze or you don't. 
Um, but if yeah. it's just kind of like not, not, not that bad of a pee, I think I could, I'll think I'll rock with the sneeze um, just because I feel like I can shake it off maybe a little bit, but, and, and maybe at that point it's just like a little tickle up there. Um, but dude, if, if it's one of those things where like, I'm like moving around doing like a little rain dance, then yeah, I, I can't deal. <laughs> I can't deal with the pee. So, but yeah, so uh, let's, let's go to the next one. Would you rather have, and I think this will be a good one for, for us, but would you rather have the perfect Super Bowl tickets or all of your fantasy teams win for the next five years straight? Mm. Dang. I want this to be a thinker. So I had to, I had to, I was thinking tough. about moving fantasy teams to 10 years, but I think five years will be good because I know that at least, I know that our dynasty league is not that big of a pot yet, but it's starting to get up there. We'll get there. over a couple we'll hundred there. dollars. Dang. I don't know. That That's a tough question because I feel like a, if you choose the Super Bowl, then you would miss out on a bunch of Super Bowl parties with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but B, like, I don't know. I feel like you it's would... It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It is. And it's the perfect but... seat. So it's wherever you want to sit. I mean, you could be in the box, you know, with free food, free drinks. There's no guarantee that it could end up being the Super Bowl from two years back where yeah. it was just And there's no stinker. guarantee it's your team either. That's... Yeah. Man. For all we know, it could be the the Cowboys and the Patriots, you know, are some of our, the most hated teams in sports, but who are we kidding? The Cowboys aren't, are probably going to finish eight and eight again, if they're lucky. <laughs> Gosh. All right. I think I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to answer for sure. I'm going to take the fantasy teams. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is a once in a lifetime experience. Um, but Tyler brought up a good point that I never really thought of. Um, I love a good Super Bowl party and I love spending with my friends. And there's no guarantee here that, you can even go with your friends. Now, maybe you can take the loophole and say, I have an entire box to myself and I can invite seven of my closest friends. But uh, I'm not going to be that cheap. I'm just going to take the winning my fantasy league for five years straight just because mm. I have a lot of pride in that. And I know that a lot of guys, at least not in our dynasty league, and our Tyler and you and I's uh, keeper league, have zero respect for me and uh, spitefully <laughs> try and do everything against me because they hate me so much. But uh, you know what? Sometimes uh, haters are my motivators. So I'm going to take uh, winning fantasy for the next five years. I am going back and forth. The perfect Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it kind of comes down to like, if you are with like your best group of friends, like that could definitely be like, like a lifetime memory. So mm-hmm. that could be, I think the thing that pushes it over, but we know the lions are not going to be in the Super Bowl. So like, <laughs> I know my team is not here, so I'm not going to be there enjoying my team winning anything. Mm-hmm. So unless I'm get there with like a solid group of friends, I'm gonna say the fantasy teams. Because to be honest, haven't you been to a football game yet? I mean, I've been to preseason Lion games because those mm-hmm. are cheap. And but we, I'm in Portland, so we don't even have a football stadium here. Like if I'm watching games, I got to travel somewhere. Have not done that yet. I think right now, fantasy teams for the next five years sounds pretty nice. Nice little pot. Like Bragging rights. I'll take it. Tyler, are you gonna be a contrarian or are you gonna stick to the flow? Well, I'm gonna go with the grain here. I'm gonna. I'm going to choose this, the uh, the fantasy football team, I feel like. Okay. I brought up some good points. It's, you know, it, it feels really satisfying after a, a hard year's work, uh, putting in those hours. Dude, this then, Dynasty League is a hard year's work. I'm putting in so much time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've put in 
so many more hours mm-hmm. into this than I, I thought I would. So. Yeah. And I'm just trying to make a trade with every single person in the league at some oh, point. Sure. I guess <laughs> Tyler, Tyler and I was the first trade when I moved Geronimo Allison and a third rounder for uh, uh, who a Delaney Walker, I think it was. Oh yeah. Old man. Delaney. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now look where he is. <laughs> And then, uh, Daniel, we made a move. We made one move. I traded you. uh, Oh, yeah. It was actually pretty big. Yeah, it was a big move. Amari Cooper Cooper and something else. uh, The Cincinnati Bengals guy, Joe Mixon. Yeah, I got Joe Mixon in a first and Devontae Parker, which turned out to be a pretty good trade for me, if I do say so myself. But Amari Cooper looks like he's in a pretty freaking good spot with the Cowboys right now, So especially after getting paid. But uh, So we'll move on. We'll do a keep trade cut now. Would you rather live on the mountains, the beach, or the lake? This is a hmm. tough one for me because so I had to ask myself, I'm a guy that likes to do like motorsport or not motor water sports on a lake. So like mm. tubing and water skiing and just kind of boating around, maybe some fishing. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm just going to say that you just get the house and that's it. You don't get any toys. So if there's no boat, if there was a boat, I think the lake would be the easy keep for me. But I'm going to, I'm going to be kind to the draft. I'm going to say that there's not a boat and I am going to cut Lake. And now here's the hard question. Do I keep beach or do I keep mountains? Cause I love the mountains way more than I love the beach, but I love the weather that's at the beach. I love the windiness. I love the view. You can pop in for a swim during the winter, but the mountains are just so beautiful. And usually it's chilly. I don't like dealing with snow. So you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do against exactly what I always said I was going to do. And I'm going to say, I said I'm going to keep the beach house and I'm going to trade the mountains just because as much as I love the mountains, I don't want to shovel snow. <laughs> it's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, although I feel like recency biased since I've been around Galveston my whole life. And so it's kind of, you know, skewed my feelings towards beaches yeah quality Um, beach there in galveston (laughs) but uh yeah i i think i'm gonna have to cut the lake and then i i think it depends if i can finagle my way into the mountains without having to shovel snow that would be ideal Mm -hmm. um so yeah i i think i'm actually gonna go keep mountains and then i like it hey maybe I didn't say you had to live there full time. Maybe it's a little vacation home and you just go up there during the summers. Oh yeah. That's the perfect, that's a bad idea. That's the perfect yeah. plan. Yeah. Dude, Portland makes this hard because you have access to so much of this already. Mm-hmm. Like it's so easy to get to any of these places, like easy day trips, just all of them. So it's tough. I think I'm going to have to go with beaches purely for the reason that that's, that's like my childhood there. It's been so much time at the beaches in Oregon and I think if you, you know, can include other beaches, then I think, yeah, I think that definitely seals the deal. It gets tough, though, trading and cutting lakes and mountains. Mm-hmm. I think overall, I think the mountains are probably going to have a little bit more appreciation. So probably we'll trade the mountains and, and cut the lake there. You know what? You're going to trade the mountains to me because I'm, I'm, I'm tilting. I'm going back. Mm. I'm taking mountains. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm, I'm trading. Breaking I news. hate sand. <laughs> I hate sand. I can't do it. It's against everything I believe in. What? You're just like Anakin. Yeah. Dang. I want the high ground. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yes, yes. 
I am taking mountains. I don't care about the snow. I'd rather have snow than sand. Um, it's official. I can't mm -hmm. go back. All right. Okay. So we're going to introduce you all to the pawn shop. This is just basically a buy or sell segment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a couple, I'm going to throw more than a couple. I'm going to throw a few names at y'all and their ADP, their average draft position, where, where they are being drafted in a 10 team PPR league. Okay. So, uh, and, and basically you're going to tell me, do you like their value there? Is that too high? Is it too low? Or is it red? Is it red riding hood right there? Right. Perfect in the middle. Um, so here we go. Here's number one, Stefan Diggs at the eighth pick in the sixth round. How do y'all feel about Stefan Diggs in that spot? Man, I guess that's the, uh, that's the Josh Allen effect, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like if you put him on any other team as the number one, he is way higher than the sixth round, but Josh Allen and the bills are not a, are, are not a passing team. Josh Allen is not the most accurate quarterback in the league. In fact, he's one of the least accurate, I think, with a completion percentage in the either upper 50s or lower 60s, if I remember correctly. And that is very well below average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me, give you, let me give you some names that are around him. There is uh, Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark going ahead of him, Cam Akers going ahead of him. Going behind him is Darren Waller, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Green, Devontae Parker, what do y'all, you know, I'll just jump in first. I think that this is, this is tough for me. So I think the three guys that I really, the, there's, there's four guys that I really look at when I get to this, this pot, this spot in the draft, I look at DJ Chark, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, AJ Brown, and um, Devonte Parker. And so, hmm, I don't want to be greedy and say that this is just around too high. And so I think that this is okay. Uh, I think that this is definitely a good spot where um, this is also a spot where if I wanted to reach about a round or so, I could reach for AJ Green or, or Devontae Parker. So I'm going to say that I, that I think I like this, but I'm going to buy it. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think overall the, the valuation is pretty fair. It's still kind of tough. I mean, Stefan Diggs, I've never really liked him for fantasy purposes just because you can't get much consistency out of him. Like you're going to have great weeks. Like you're going to love him one week and then next week you are literally going to cry because he's going to be the reason you lose. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, mm -hmm. I think overall that, that value is pretty fair. I just, I still don't know that I'd even take him. I think I'd probably look elsewhere at some of those other surrounding options. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> maybe a couple picks lower and then you might be kind of forced your hand a little bit, but I think that value is fair. Yeah, I, th I think it's a good value. I'm just, I think that your floor is basically what his entire career has been. I mean, he was the number two guy for the most, for one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. Now, granted, right. they weren't a very high volume passing offense, um, at least not last year, but he was still a good wide receiver. Um, and I think that's the floor you can expect. And the reason I say that is because now that even though he is basically, he is easily the number one in, in the Bills offense, like we said earlier, he's right. going from Kirk Cousins, who is very accurate to Josh Allen, who's one of the least accurate. And so even though he may have more volume, he may have uh, more balls that are just not catchable. And so he probably right. is going to end up around the same amount of reception totals, um, but he's going to have all of the opportunity in the world. His targets are probably going to go way up. Um, but I just don't know if his catch percentage is going to be as good as it would be with the Vikings. So, I, yeah, I think that this is fair. But I think that there's a lot of upside here. And I think that this is a fair spot for a guy that, like Daniel said, could probably lose you a week, um, but a good enough spot to know that he's a guy that could also win you a week. Tyler, what about you? 
Yeah, I, I think I have the same same kind of attitude about about him. Um, I mean, I I feel like the deep ball is definitely going to be a lot more uh, accessible with mm-hmm. Josh Allen because yeah. he does throw a pretty well Out deep ball when it's, when it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe a couple weeks you can definitely get those those huge yeah. you know sixty plus yard catches for a touchdown. Um, but it really just I, – I feel like this kind of comes down to everybody on the list, but it kind of just depends on what his uh, new connection is with mm-hmm. Josh Allen coming into the season. Because if there's not a preseason game, how are we going to be able to determine how well he is outside of, yeah. you know, hype workout videos that you see on Twitter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Stefan Diggs is definitely a guy that – and because he's going at the end of the, the sixth round, he's a guy that I would maybe pair with another wide receiver that might be a little bit safer on the turn. And so, um, so that mm-hmm. way he, he fits in as a good, you know, wide receiver two, three right there, even though his potential is to be maybe even a top 12 guy. Um, if he is able to have a, if, if Josh Allen can, pers- it can complete 65% of his passes. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next guy. Lamar Jackson is going as the 10th pick in the second round. Is this too rich for y'all's blood? What do y'all think? This is tough for me because I'm never the guy that takes a quarterback early. So it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things where, I don't know, I think it's kind of high. I don't like taking a quarterback in the first, even second round. Um, I think, you know, with that pick being the, the last pick in the second round, they're kind of trying to set the tone and, and, and draw him, you know, before somebody else sneaks in a quarterback pick. Mm-hmm. I think by picking him there, though, you do lose out on some other good options. I do think his production is going to dip slightly I think that was a crazy year for him so I probably wouldn't take him there Tyler, yeah, what about it's, you? it's a good point um man if he if he dropped you know one or two more spots to the third round I would consider it maybe mm-hmm. because if you knew that you were going to get a kind of quarterback with that kind of production and that kind of consistency like week to week um man that that would have been nice to know from the beginning mm-hmm. um and I, I think he can still provide a lot of value. They added a couple weapons in the draft. They got J.K. Dobbins, the running back out of Ohio State. They got some receivers, Devin DuVernay and um, James Prosh. I'm not mm-hmm. sure where, where they're from. I think Devin DuVernay is out of Texas. Prosh is, um, I think, from Vanderbilt. Okay. Um, so they're definitely trying to surround him with a lot more, more pass catchers in that offense, um, even with the loss of Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, their identity is definitely going to be through the run, as usual, with the with a great defense to mm-hmm. combat with that. Yeah, I. So I'm looking at his stats right now. And last year, he had 421 fantasy points. Um, he was the number one overall quarterback. He had uh, 3,100 passing yards, 36 touchdowns, six interceptions, and then 1,200 yards on the ground and seven touchdowns on the ground. Um, and if you look at those stats and you separate them the rushing away from the, from the throwing, then, you know, he is a, he's a good running back. He like, he would be like a running back two, high, high level running back two, And then he would be a lower end quarterback that you could at least flex more often than not, or at least uh, be a spot start more often than not. And so you're basically getting two, two players in one position, but even the, I mean, even then, I just don't think I can, I can pay a second rounder for Lamar Jackson um, I have. No, I, I don't think I could ever pay higher than even a fifth or sixth rounder for a quarterback. But I will say that Lamar Jackson, because he is such a dual threat, I think the earliest I would take him would. I think. I, I think it would be the first pick of the fourth round. 
I think if I had the turn, mm-hmm. I would be willing to take him in the fourth round, but there's no way I would be able to, I'd be willing to take him any higher. So I'm going to sell. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to Odell Beckham Jr. Going as the second pick in the fourth round. What do y'all think about that? I personally think that whew, that's too rich for my blood guys. I mean, let me, let me tell you some guys that he's going around. Adam Thielen, Juju, Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. I think I'd have every single one of those guys over OBJ. <laughs> now, maybe I'm overreacting to how bad his, uh, his, how bad last year was. And, uh, and, his, and I believe his catch percentage was super low. He only had like three or four touchdowns. And so, um, you know, he could regress back to the mean and become, I mean, you don't just luck into the seasons that he had in the Giants. I mean, that, you have to be a good receiver to, for that to happen. But that's just too high of a price to ask when I can get people that are established in their offense, like Allen Robinson. Um, I mean, even Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley is an up-and-coming guy, and he is going um, almost a full round later than OBJ, and I think I'd rather have Calvin Ridley. Um, and there's no way I would want mm-hmm. OBJ to be my number one wide receiver, so I'm going to 100% mm-hmm. sell him in the second pick of the fourth round. Yeah, I just pulled up his fantasy points. I just was kind of curious what last year looked like because I know it was bad. So let me just read a couple off. So it started off 14, 28, 11, 4, 5, 16, 10, 13, 10, 10, 20, 5, 5, 14, 14, and 17. Like those numbers do not jump out at me as being the lead receiver on a team. No. Um, I'm mm-hmm. really not impressed with Baker at all. Uh, and I wasn't really on the Baker train, but I thought he was going to be decent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had really kind of an awful year. And he has so many weapons on the offensive end that honestly, it's a little shocking. His decision making is not really there. Yeah. Um, this year, he was kind of predict I was almost thinking maybe I'd put him as a sleeper because he had such a bad year that maybe I would be like oh yeah I'll have a better year this year kind of a sleeper and then I looked and everybody's still kind of jumping on the Baker train again like oh he's got mm-hmm. lots of weapons he's gonna have another great year like this is exactly what we did last year he's not that good so I wouldn't take OBJ there yeah I think I think his value because there's other weapons and just the target share that he's getting is just kind of lower they just added Austin Hooper who I, I'm a big fan of at the tight end position um, and so I think he's going to be a new primary target for them as well. Mm-hmm. I think they're still going to go with strong with the run game with Nick Chubb and they've got Kareem Hunt um, yeah. sitting there in the backfield as well. So it's like, I just don't see OBJ having a good year with, a, with the Browns again. So yeah. I think you've got much better options at that spot. Mm-hmm. Tyler, what yeah, do you think? I'm, I'm going to go with the same, um, especially along the Baker side. Uh, his rookie season, I feel like he was best when he was spreading the ball around and he wasn't hyper-targeting, right. you know, like OBJ when he was crying about it. Uh, and I think that kind of goes to show that that's where they're going to try and go towards this season, um, especially with Stavansky coming in from the Vikings, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, I'm going to say is the puppet of Gary Kubiak. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Some others may argue about that. Anyway. Um, I, I really feel like he's going to bring in a, a heavy play action system, which is definitely going to help out Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to force him to, you know, spread the ball around and make sure that he's not just looking at OBJ, even if he is, you know, double covered, triple covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and like y'all said, they added some weapons. They got Austin Hooper in. Uh, they got Donovan Peoples-Jones in the fifth round out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and now hopefully a, a fully healthy and, and great season out of Kareem Hunt, who is a great pass catching back. And right. so it's it's really hard for me to 
to take him there at the value with so many other weapons yeah. uh, there. Yeah, which is a great lead into our next guy, which is Kareem Hunt at the fifth pick in the sixth round. And interesting enough, I just looked at both of their target share, and it looks like Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham Jr. had about the same amount of targets whenever Kareem Hunt was uh, active on the team. And so why pay a, you know, a, a fourth rounder for, OB, for OBJ when you're probably going to get the same thing out of Kareem Hunt two rounds later and you can flex him in as your third running back? I mean, uh, maybe he's your second <laughs> running back if you're drafting him in the sixth round. But um, personally for me, you know, I would want Kareem Hunt to be my third or fourth running back. I'm actually going to buy. Um, this was surprising to me because he, I don't think he ever eclipsed 10 carries. But uh, they're talking him up as their third receiver. They, could, they can't really find who they want to establish as the third receiver in that offense. And out of nowhere, they just said, well, Kareem Hunt is going to be joining the receivers meetings. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's talented enough to do it. And if Nick Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt is going to be the number one running back in the NFL, probably. I mean, there, I think that personally, this might be a hot take, but I think that Kareem Hunt is probably more talented than Nick Chubb. Uh, I think he can catch the ball better. <laughs> and I think he's just as good of a runner. Uh, in between and outside of the tackles. So, and he's so quick. Um, but I think that Kareem Hunt has a lot of upside and I think he's more than just a handcuff. Uh, let's see here. It says the fifth pick in the sixth round. So I'm looking at some of the guys around him. Um, the, the closest running backs are going to be Raheem Mostert uh, about a round ahead of him, Mark Ingram, a couple picks ahead of him, Cam Akers about a few picks behind him. And then Deandre Swift around later. And so uh, Kareem Hunt is kind of on an island right there. He's surrounded by wide receivers. Um, and so I think that, you know, like, like I said a, a couple a couple shows ago, that I, I'm a guy that likes to go super running back heavy in the first six or seven rounds. I like to try and have probably five running backs on my roster by round seven. And so Kareem Hunt is, is in a lot of mock drafts I've done, he has been my one of if – he, if he's not the last running back I take, he's the second to last running back that I put on my team – and I'm happy with him. So I'm going to buy him right there. I think that's a good value. Oh, yeah. And especially with all the other running backs that you named, there's some questions about all of them going mm -hmm. into the season with either rookies or, or whatnot. And, I mean, with Kareem, I'm sure he has to split the load with, with Nick Chubb. But at the same time, like you said, they're probably going to utilize him heavily in the, in the receiving game. I mean, he – in only eight games that he played, he caught 37 balls. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's, that's a pretty damn good amount for – especially considering <laughs> – him coming into the, the team for the first time, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Tyler, would you rather have in a PPR league, Kareem Hunt or Mark Ingram? Because Mark Ingram, I think, is the exact opposite. He is going to be the guy that's not going to have a ton of targets. He's going to be a lot of on the ground. He's going to be some touchdown goal line work. And even with J.K. Dobbins coming in, um, you know, his, his carry total might go down. But Mark Ingram is going almost a full round of, ahead of Kareem Hunt. Who would you rather have in a PPR format? I, I think I might lean towards Kareem Hunt. I mean, I was definitely a, a doubter going into last year just because of the suspension that he was going into. Um, the price was just too high, especially considering mm -hmm. he only played eight games. But going into this season with a full, hopefully 16-game stretch that he's going to have, it's there's just so much to love about his game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, he's one of those players who I had so much doubts for but he's honestly last year, he's one of the most consistent players. So it's like, I think he's probably one of the few players on the Browns that I would actually want to have on my team right now. Mm -hmm. I think if you are looking mm -hmm. at Kareem at that spot, I think that's pretty fair. And I think you should snatch him up because I think he is going to surprise a lot of people. And I think he could even take another step up as far as receiving ability and 
you know, maybe they will, you know, use him a little bit more in the running game. We'll see how that looks. But yeah, I think actually that's a very fair spot. I'm, I'm taking him there. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting because I'm looking at his, his totals for last year. And if you stat him out over a full season, it's about right over 200 points. And if you plugged him into this year's projected at 200, he would be the running back 24 right after James Connor. Um, now, if you were to even plug that into to last year uh, with right over 200 points, he would have finished as the running back 20, running back 20, running back, uh, actually running back 19. So he would have finished as the running back yeah. 19 uh, ahead of guys like James White, Duke Johnson, David Montgomery, Marlon Mack, Mark Ingram, Sony Michelle, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Kenyon Drake. Um, so I, th- I don't, I don't think that, that cream hunt is, is somebody that should be overlooked. So that's, that's pretty exciting for sure. So, uh, let's move on. Terry McLaurin is going as the 10th pick in the sixth round. Tyler, tell me, are you going to buy or sell Terry McLaurin? You know, I, I didn't really watch too much of Terry McLaurin last year, but I definitely heard about the hype. Um, I know he, he's got a lot of, uh, good things coming out of him especially with the connection that he has with Dwayne Haskins, who also has another little uh, Twitter hype workout video that he's been mm-hmm. posting around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm actually going to buy. I, I think that uh, with the new change in OC, they've got Scott Turner there, who's the son of North Turner, who I think all fantasy football players should know is one of the better uh, offensive coordinators to try and get your, your players more involved. Um, and I, I honestly think that he can he can turn things around for a full season instead of just, you know, stretches. Um, I think that they're not going to try and run the ball 45 times a game now. And so mm-hmm. that should really get Terry McLaurin um, into a much different kind of world for uh, fantasy. Yeah, I think I'm liking Terry at this spot too. You know, the, the part I think that was kind of tough with him is, yeah, you get stretches where he's just amazing and then he's so quiet for the next couple games. And you're like, man, where's this guy? Um, and so I think now that they've got some more weapons, that some changes in the offense, um, you know, hopefully a more consistent quarterback situation, that's still a big question mark, I think, as far as, you know, are you going to get a consistent quarterback play? But I think Terry is definitely going to be one of the bright spots of this and so I think yeah if you can if you can add in there I think he's going to add a lot of value to your team I think you're going to be surprised with the results so I'm actually going to go against the grain here and I'm going to sell so this by by no means is this an indictment on Terry McLaurin this is just one of the cases where I like a few guys behind him a little bit more so I think that Terry McLaurin definitely has the talent um, and the ability to be way higher than what his ADP is right now um, especially in an offense like Washington where it's just the bottom of the barrel I mean I have zero trust and and any in any piece in Washington's offense because you don't know who the running back is going to be because of injury and just because that's just the organization um, and you don't really know you know who any of the receivers are going to be outside of Terry McLaurin and in my opinion I don't even know if you know who the quarterback is going to be because I'm not I, I don't I still don't know if Dwayne Haskins is the future of the Redskins he didn't really look that good and he and, and he was even an even worse leader is what it sounded like I mean he just was ripping into his offensive linemen uh, and taking no responsibility during games last year, and so, I mean, just like a little I, aside, he was he was also taking selfies yeah. um, on their on He's their games when they were you know, pretty trash. Mm-hmm. 
So he's, he's in a pretty similar spot to Stefan Diggs. He's only going two spots ahead of him. And behind him are guys like A.J. Green, Marquise Brown, Devontae Parker, Michael Gallup, Deontay Johnson, Julian Edelman. I mean, I honestly think that I'd rather have maybe all of those guys over Terry McLaurin. Maybe not Deontay or Julian Edelman because I know that moving into a Ron Rivera-led offense, um, Ron Rivera, I know that he's more of a defensive mind, but he has been the head coach of guys like uh, DJ Moore, who they just try and force feed the ball. They just try and get him the ball at every opportunity they can because they know he's the best player. And I think that's going to be the case in Washington because Terry McLaurin seems to be the only bright light in a very, very, very dark area, which is Washington football. So um, I think that I think that he has the opportunity to blow his ADP out of the water. But I just I don't I'm not willing to pay the pay the price for the amount of risk that is the Washington offense. I think that I would be a little bit more comfortable taking him in the back of the eighth, early ninth round. Uh, so I don't think I'm willing to take him in that high. But let's move on. Uh, I, I alluded to him earlier, but Julian Edelman is going as the eighth pick in the ninth round. I already said this. I'm just going to buy Julian Edelman. Um, he's one of the last wide receivers going in the draft. That is somebody that you know I think I can confidently plug into. Uh, maybe be a weekly starter, at least at least now with uh, Cam being there. Um, I fully expect Cam to win the starting job unless there's some kind of unforeseen injury that happens again. But, um, you know, Cam is, has been a guy that has supported guys like Steve Smith and DJ Moore, who are the smaller kind of underneath guys. And so, I mean, that's exactly what Julian Edelman is. And uh, Julian Edelman also kind of seems to be the only bona fide receiver there. I mean, I know they drafted Nikhil Harry out of the first round, but he only seemed to have like one good game last year. And so I don't know if I'm sold on him yet, but uh, I think that I'm, I'm willing to take a shot on Julian Edelman, especially at this price. Yeah, that's the price for what you're like Edelman, the, the player, I mean, has so many seasons of, of strong history that I think, if we get anything out of Cam Newton, then I think that price that was the ninth round. Yeah. I think you can take Edelman like confidently. I think mm-hmm. yeah, um, no obviously, you know, he's had so much, you know, repertoire with Tom Brady. And so there's that consistency there it was kind of a favorite target. Um, but I think he's still a really strong player. I think Cam Newton will probably rely on some of those key pieces. If you were going to jump into this offense, I think, players like Sonny Michelle and Edelman would have to step up a lot for them to actually succeed. And so I think Edelman could be a pretty strong pick there. I'd take mm-hmm. him. Tyler, what about you? Um, could you list like just some of the names that are around him right now? Cause I feel like there's a lot more high so, upside guys besides them. Yeah. So he's going at the back of the ninth at the beginning of the ninth, we have Michael Gallup, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller. And then behind him, Darius Slayton, Jerry Judy, Emmanuel Sanders, CeeDee Lamb, Marvin Jones, Henry Ruggs, Mecole Hardman, uh, and then all the way back in the 11th round, Jamison Crowder. Uh, I know you're probably a fan of Jamison Crowder, um, but, I mean, Jamison Crowder and Marvin Jones are probably the only two notable guys behind Julian Edelman, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, at that value, he could be um, a really great plug-and-play kind of guy. But at the same time, there's a lot of factors going against him. And so for that reason, I'm going to sell. Um, hmm. He's another year older. Who I mean, I don't know how old he is. He's probably, what, like 34, 35 years old at this point? He's 34 right now. So he's definitely getting up there. Um, and I think last year kind of showed. I want to say that last year he led all receivers in drops, hmm. which is definitely not a thing that Tom Brady likes. <laughs> yeah. um, and especially with a guy that, you know, he loves to trust. Um, and also, 
I think something that isn't really looked at a lot um, is the new adjustment period for them. You know, Cam just came over super recently. Mm -hmm. And for that amount of time from now until the start of the season, it's, it's not the same as like a rookie coming in or a free agent coming in at the start of all this free agency. It's going to be tough trying to get on the same level. Mm -hmm. Um, And while I do love Cam, um, I think that he's really going to thrive in this system. He's great at short passes and intermediate passes, which is what the Patriots love to try and do. Um, I just don't really trust uh, what all these factors are going into it. So I'm going to sell. So you think that the ninth, that the end of the ninth round is still too high a price to pay for the risk that is Julian Edelman? I mean, I, if you named all those guys that were there, I would probably take a majority of them over Edelman just because if I'm trying to get a a late round flyer like that, I really want a lot of upside Mm -hmm. and somebody who can either blossom late into the season or would just, you know, right out of the gate, just be, Locked and loaded. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say. All right. Well, let's talk about Cam Akers going as the eighth pick in the sixth round. Daniel, how do you feel about Cam Akers? I'm not sure. Um, you know, he's one of those guys who I think is super talented. I'm kind of not sure what they're thinking as far as the run game, you know, who they're really going to give the reins to. Um, it's kind of tough. At that pick, let's see. So what, what was the – He's going as the eighth pick in the sixth round. Kareem Hunt is going three picks ahead of him. And the next closest running back going behind him is DeAndre Swift. Um, and that's that's pretty much it for a while. Yeah, I think I would probably lean towards Swift over Akers. I think I'm not totally sold on him yet. I think there's definitely a lot of potential there. And maybe he could be the person that takes the reins for that offense on the run game. But – I'm just not fully convinced yet. I think I think there's some other options you could take with that pick. So I'd probably say so. Yeah, I, I, Cam Akers has been somebody that I've been curious over. Um, I think I'm leaning towards buy just purely because Cam Akers coming out of Florida State was behind one of the worst offensive lines college football seen in a really, really long time. And the fact that he was able to be as prolific as he was shows that he is a very talented guy. He's a guy that can make a lot of something out of a lot of nothing. Um, and, and I think that that can be really useful behind the Rams offensive line, which is starting to get really old and, uh, and, you know, they, they really need to infuse some youth. And, um, and so I, I don't know, it's just, if you give one guy the lion's share carries of the Rams, he's going to be a top 10 guy. And so taking the shot on a guy like Cam Akers this late could prove to be really good. Um, now they also have some guys like D'Angelo Henderson that you have to worry about, but I don't know if I'm worried about D'Angelo Henderson because when he came in and had the opportunity last year, I just felt like he, he didn't really do much with what, with what he got. And they, they, I think Cam Akers was the first pick that the Rams had. And to take a running back um, with your first pick in the draft, um, you know, I think they're, I'm, I'm talking like second round was the first pick that they owned uh, just, just to clarify, but that, that shows a lot of trust in a guy and for him to come in and not be the main guy would be confusing to me. And so I think that I am willing to take the shot on Cam Akers, um, especially at this price. Um, I know that in, in, in our redraft keeper league, Tyler, that I have the turn pick and if Cam Akers and, and Kareem Hunt are there at the turn and I need my running back four and five or five and six, I think that these are two guys that I'd be willing to snag back to back right here. So I'm going to buy. 
Tyler, what is your value on, are you going to buy or are you going to sell cam makers? Yeah, I think I would buy, um, especially that late in the drafts. Um, I feel like there's a lot of value for rookies like that. I know, especially with this past year, um, some of the rookie names were getting really big and the, and the hype was coming along and those, those ADPs were just going soaring up, you know? Uh, but especially back in the, you know, eighth or ninth round, I feel like that's definitely a, a doable round for somebody who, if he does get the, the line share can definitely thrive. Now, mm-hmm. while I am a little bit hesitant about the Rams offense, just because their offensive line went from literally one of the best to one of the worst last year. Um, and I'm not really sure if they could really bounce it around this season. But at the same time, like you said, if he can do it at Florida State, I think he can do it in, mm-hmm. in the Ram system. All right. Well, we're going to move into a little bit of a rapid round. So there's going to be three names left. And I just want one quick spiel from everybody. Um, I don't want to take too long. we got to move on to our keep trade cut segment. So let's, let's do Mark Andrews, fourth pick in the five round, in the fifth round. I'm going to start us off. This is an easy sell for me. Um, he's going ahead of Zach Ertz, who's going a full round, almost a full round later. I think this is ridiculous. Mark Andrews is a guy that lives off of touchdowns, and I think there's a big touchdown regression coming from Lamar Jackson. <clears throat> hmm. I think I would take him lower than that, but I think I'm still pretty high on Andrews. You know, I think he is a favorite for Lamar Jackson as far as end zone targets, and so I think I think I would take him later. But he's definitely towards the top of my list, so I wouldn't buy him there. But I'd buy him a couple picks later. Tyler, buy or sell? Yeah, I'm going to sell. I feel like his hype is getting a little bit too much now with Lamar Jackson. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of good quality tight ends going late this year that I feel mm-hmm. like you can just pick up. And even with the loss of Ian Nurst, uh, you could see an uptick in production. But at the same time, like you said, he really thrives off of those touchdowns and, and you know, deep passes. Yeah. All right. Uh, Miles Sanders, fourth pick of the second round. Tyler, buy or sell? Definitely sell. Um, I mean, what can I say about him other than, you know, he only blew up when everybody else went down. Not only was there no Jordan Howard, there was no Deshaun Jackson, there was no uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Zach Ertz was banged up a little bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. it literally took the entire offense to get Greg Ward as one of the starting, you know, receivers Mm -hmm. for for their game for him to actually thrive. And mm-hmm. especially with the loss of Brandon Brooks, who PFF ranked as the number one uh, guard coming in this year. Um, it just, it doesn't look to be like, it's going to be the same situation as last year. And so for that reason, I'm going to sell. I think I'm going to sell too. Um, earlier I said something about like, I don't want to be greedy over just a few picks, but when you're this high up in the draft, your second and third round picks are very, very important. And so I'm going to sell and be greedy here and say that I would take him probably at the back of the second or top of the third, but I'm not taking him at the top of the, I'm not taking him at the top of the second. Um, Like Tyler said, it took a lot to get him involved. Now this year, I think they're going to give him more of the workload. Um, But also the only guy behind him is Boston Scott. So um, it's a little risky, but I'm going to sell just barely. Daniel. Yeah. I'm saying that there was too much inconsistency last year, even with the, the amount of targets and stuff he was getting, I would say sell. And yeah, that high level pick, I mean, you need consistent production and I don't think you're going to get that necessarily. So mm-hmm. I'm selling there. All right. Michael Gallup, first pick of the ninth round. Daniel, are you going to buy, or are you going to sell Michael Gallup as the first pick of the ninth round? <sighs> Let's see who's around him real quick. 
So going right ahead of him is uh, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry going behind him, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Boyd, Julian Edelman, Darius Slayton. I, I don't think I'd want Gallup. I think he definitely has a lot of potential, but I think there there could be some other potential picks that could be better. And I think with the, the rookie coming into Dallas, I think he's going to be looking to make a splash. And so I think they might look to utilize him more. And obviously Amari Cooper provided he stays healthy. So I don't know if I'd take Gallup. I think you can – can find a better spot there. Tyler, buy or sell? I'm definitely going to buy. Not only do rookie receivers kind of blossom late into the year, but I feel like Dak has definitely got a huge chip on his shoulder um, to try and at least go towards that Patrick Mahomes kind of money, which he's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he really balled out last year as far as yardage and, and touchdowns and whatnot. And I really feel like he can uh, definitely provide a lot of value to, to Gallup this year. So I'm going to buy. Uh, let me ask y'all a question. Who was Dallas's number one wide receiver last year in targets? It's actually Gallup, I think. Amari Cooper by five targets. Oh, five. man. Five targets. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. If, 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 uh, if C.D. Lamb wouldn't have been drafted to the Dallas Cowboys, Michael Gallup would probably be in the fifth or sixth round right now. Um, mm-hmm. But because C.D. Lamb was drafted there, I think people are scared. Um, but I'm still going to buy. I think that there's a good chance that a guy who ha- who just had 112 targets in the year prior, um, I think if anything, based on how well he did, they're going to probably want to try and get him more involved. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are the team that I think threw the ball the most last year. And if they weren't the most, they were, they were top three. And so there's definitely more than enough love to go around to everybody. He may have to be a guy that's more efficient, um, but I'm going to buy. I think that's a good price. That's pretty late for a guy that you know, could have 100-plus targets. So I'm going to buy Michael Gallup right there. So now we're going to move into keep trade cut. We've got two fun keep trade cut options, um, and it's going to be – the first one is going to be running backs, and the second one is going to be wide receivers. So would you all rather keep trade or cut Leonard Fournette, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery? Daniel, I want you to go first. You look like you're thinking mm. over pretty hard. Yeah. Singletary is kind of the question mark there because they just drafted, uh, I think his name is Moss. I think it's Zach Moss, right? Mm-hmm. Zach Moss. Um, and so it kind of makes you wonder, I mean, I think when he was given the, you know, the opportunity, I think he really demonstrated he's really strong. Um, so it was kind of an odd pick for me that they drafted that Moss there. Um, I think I would probably stick with, you know, Fournette, um, I think I still like him here. I think he's going to have value with a more consistent quarterback play. He definitely is still a pretty strong runner. Um, I, I think I'd take him, probably trade trade David Montgomery. I think he's got a lot of potential coming up. Um, and Singletary I probably would cut just because I think he's got the most uncertain future. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to keep David Montgomery. I'm going to trade Leonard Fournette, and I'm going to cut Singletary. And this is why. Um, wow that's exactly what i was gonna do (laughs) yeah so uh, this would be an easy keep if it was leonard fournette from last year because leonard fournette had a stat just absolutely incredible target share when it came to uh to to being the the ball thrown to him um in the past game and that that was just out out completely out of the norm for jacksonville to get leonard fournette involved like that but now they have chris thompson there and so leonard fournette is going to go back to being the ground and pound guy um and so I'd rather have David Montgomery, who's going to get a little bit of both. Um, he's pretty much the only guy there. Tariq Cohen is too small to run between the tackles, and I don't think he's ever had more than 100 carries in the offense. So Tariq Cohen may be the third down back, but David Montgomery is still going to get 35 to 40 targets in the air. And so David Montgomery is, is definitely safer. If, if they really committed to Singletary and he had 200, 
to 250 uh, attempts on the ground, then he's the guy that I would probably want to keep because I think that he can run with the best of them. But I just don't know if I trust um, the amount of workload that they're going to give him. So Tyler, what, yeah. what, what is it? What could you possibly do for you then? Well, I mean, here's the thing about Singletary. Uh, I honestly think that he has a ton of value um, going into next year, but at the same time, with the addition of Zach Moss and some other receiving threats, um, it's it's going to be a little hard for him to to really thrive. While I do think he's going to, you know, do well in between the twenties, I don't know if he's going to be given that that goal line work, especially with Josh Allen, who's a very capable red zone weapon. Um, and so I'm, I'm probably going to cut Singletary. Um, as far as Fournette, like you said, with Chris Thompson, he was brought in. Um, he's probably going to take a lot of the, the pass catching load off of him. Um, and even Jay Gruden, who came from the Washington, I guess, team, uh, was the reason why they really brought Chris Thompson in. So I think Jay Gruden really wants to utilize Chris Thompson in that. And Fournette was one of the most abysmal, uh, just hard to look at kind of runners last year. There was only a couple times that I, I saw him break out. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to trade his value. And then as far as Montgomery, I think he has a ton of volume. And so I think he's, he's going to thrive, hopefully, with Nick Foles' QB. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep him. All right. Well, let's move into our last keep trade cut. Keep trade cut, OBJ, Devontae Parker, DJ Chark. Tyler, I want, I want to hear you first. Okay. I'm going to keep DJ Chark. Uh, with Jay Gruden, he has supported AJ Green in the past, and so I feel like uh, with his second year in the system, he's going to thrive. Um, I'm going to trade OBJ really just for name value alone. You've already kind of heard our, our points from before. I don't really believe in him this year, and so mm-hmm. I'm just going to try and get some value out of him. Um, and then I'm going to cut Devontae Parker, even though I love him. Um, coming in with a rookie QB and a new system from uh, – their offensive coordinator. I just don't know if I trust them that much. And especially with Preston Williams coming back, who's going to be healthy and was one of their best um, receivers last year. I just, I don't know if I can see him. So I'm going to come. Yeah. I'm actually going to do the exact same thing um, for pretty similar reasons. Uh, DJ Chark is a guy that he is the bona fide number one in Jacksonville and he has no competition whatsoever. And so uh, I just like that value, especially with him and him and Gardner Minshew kind of coming up together. Um, I think that I think that this is a guy that could that could really make a splash. And the sad thing about it is, is that you can get more value out of trading OBJ because of his name, even though Devonta Parker was far and away the better receiver last year. Um, and he probably will be again this year if I had to put money on it. So um, as much as I think that Devonta Parker is probably worth more than Odell Beckham Jr. at a much less cost or at a much lesser cost than Odell Beckham, um, I think I have to trade OBJ just purely out of the name value. Yeah. Yeah, you guys kind of hit all the points there. I mean, DJ Chark is the young gun. He's the clear number one. OBJ obviously has a name value, but he just has not shown that he can repeat those the, the past history that he's had with as far as production goes. And Devontae Parker is incredible. I think he's way undervalued, but he is going to have a new quarterback, and there's just a lot of newness that's going to, I think, affect his ability to reproduce last season. So I think DJ, DJ Chark is the keep. Yeah, and you cut Devontae Parker and you trade OBJ for that name. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, let's move into our sleepers this week. We definitely wanted to have a little bit of a focus on tight ends, but we're still going to bring you um, a couple other guys. We're going to bring you Deontay Johnson um, a little bit later because we've already hinted at him. Um, and so uh, I'll, I'll bring him up a little bit later, but we're going to start with Daniel. Daniel, bring up who, who's going to be one of your 
your two sleepers that you have for us today? Yeah, I'm really focused on tight ends. I think this year is kind of an interesting year for tight ends. There's definitely a lot of options. It's almost kind of overwhelming to try and narrow down the list of targets for who you want to pick this offseason. Um, there's a couple other guys that I would mention as well, just as kind of honorable mentions. But um, I think the key players that I would narrow in on this year are going to be Blake Jarwin and Jared Cook. And I'll start with Jarwin. I think looking at Jarwin, um, you know, with Jason Witten being out of the picture now, you've got a clear number one role, which is awesome for him. He's shown even in the limited capacity that he's been given that he can produce. And so uh, being in the league, one of the league's best offenses, there's a strong passing attack. Um, so I think we're going to get a big jump from him this year. Um, he signed to a three-year, $24 million contract on the other day. So, um, you know, I think they're kind of expecting him to take a leap as well and want to involve him in the offense. And 2019 averaged 8.9 yards per target. So that's pretty solid, especially uh, that position. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think honestly that he could be the number two in the, the passing attack. I think, you know, people are thinking that it's going to be Gallup. And obviously Gallup is pretty strong. I honestly think that Jarwin could take a lot of target share away. And so um, I think he's a, a solid pick to take up kind of later in the draft. There's a lot of tight ends available. And uh, I think because of what the tight end position looks like for this draft this year, you'll be able to snag him pretty late. And he'll show That's a, a lot hot of take for you. Yeah. It's a hot take. So one of my big, are you, so are you not worried about the, so they had, they had Blake Jarwin on this team last year going into his third year. Right. And instead of making him the guy, they said, we want to bring in the bag of bones that is Jason Witten. Does that not, does that not lower your confidence level on Blake Jarwin that they weren't willing to I, trust I him? I have questioned Dallas's decision-making for years. I mean, the fact that they kept <laughs> their head coach around for that long, I think mm -hmm. says a lot about the decision-making of the organization. I think, um, they have talent on the roster. That is for sure. And I think if they can, with this new coach, you know, find a way to actually utilize those talents the way that they're meant to be and get an offense put together that um, can help them win games, get the defense to finish strong each year. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where there's so much potential for this team. And even, you know, as a backup, you know, he had a couple games where he really showed a lot of promise. So I think with the full starting role, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm trusting Jarwin there. I think there's definitely some hope. Jason Witten had 83 targets last year, and um, Blake Jarwin had about 41. So if you put the two of them together, that's over 120 right. targets. Now, I don't think that Blake Jarwin is going to get 120 targets, but no. the fact that he has that much room to go up is definitely an encouraging thing. Um, For sure. So who, who, give us your second keeper. Yeah. Or your second, second sleeper. guy is Jared Cook. And this, again, is, is kind of weird because he's 33 years old. Like, this guy is getting up there. But looking mm -hmm. at the second half of last year, um, he, he was, had seven touchdown passes in the back half of the game. So this, that led all tight ends, right? Mm -hmm. And then you think about the beginning of the season. Well, why was there a difference? Well, Breeze was out, right? We had Drew Breeze was injured. And I think it was in the first game he got injured. And so he missed like five or six games. And so uh, with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, Jared Cook was not getting the same looks. And they brought him in as a weapon, right? Before mm -hmm. the year in Oakland, he had like, I think it was 900 yards. They wanted to utilize <laughs> him in the offense. And that was clear once Drew Brees was back and, and kind of got, uh, you know, hold of his feet and everything. Um, so obviously there's some concern with uh, Emmanuel Sanders being brought in. Um, he's probably expected to be the number two. And that could still be the case. But I think with the red zone targets that you'll get from Cook, he can still show a lot of value. It'd probably be more of a plug and play. 
Um, and it might be one of those things where it's more matchup dependent and he might not necessarily be your, your go-to guy, but I think he's a strong sleeper for this coming year. I think he's still going to bring a lot of value. Um, and I think the red zone production with the, the breeze or yeah, the breeze led saints, like their offense is incredible. I think he'll still get enough targets to, to keep him uh, in the top tight end one tight end two conversation. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting name to bring up. I'm trying to find his ADP right now, and it looks like that that his ADP um, has fallen really, really low down yeah. to the seventh pick of the twelfth round. And yeah. that's um, crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's really only one or two other guys I'd be willing to take a shot on behind him. Um, but at that price, I think I'd be willing to maybe consider buying. But then again, I mean, he only had about 67 targets this last year, and they're adding Emmanuel Sanders, who, when he moved teams, who's not even in the prime of his career anymore, commanded 25% target share and so uh, of, of passing volume. And so even if he takes maybe 20% of the passing volume, um, I just don't know how much is going to be left over. Um, the Saints are definitely a team that can throw the ball 600 times in a year, um, but I don't know if that's what they want to do anymore, especially with Drew Brees getting so old and being so efficient. Um, so, but, but then again, I mean, his ADP is so low that he might be worth a shot right there. So I think I like it. Exactly. Yeah. I think I, I, like, I, think I like him too. The only thing that I'm concerned about is the history of his injuries. Sure. Um, he had a really bad couple games of, what is it? Some concussions he had this past year. Like it would, they were pretty ugly. Um, but besides that, he was really, really lighting it up down the stretch. And I, I think he has a, a really big year coming up for him. Yeah. All right. Well, unfortunately, Daniel, I know you have to go. I know you're a busy man. You're working on a move from Dallas, Texas, all the way to Portland, Oregon. How many, how many miles is that? Do you have any idea? It's 17,000 probably something like that. It feels like we're about to stretch this out over like three days driving. So yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Well, Daniel, Daniel is so committed to us that he is literally recording this podcast in a bathroom for optimal uh, uh, noise cancellation. So, Daniel, <laughs> we love you, but get out of here. Go get your work done. We'll see you it's next time. It's been fun, y'all. Toodles. Toodles. See you, Daniel. Man. All right, Tyler. Well, now it's just the two of us. Uh, tell me, who is going to be your first sleeper? And then I'll, and then I'll do one uh, right after you do yours. Oh, boy, do I have a name for you, Carson. (laughs) This guy was not really known before this season. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe in the draft, but, I mean, man, he was just really unknown. Mm -hmm. The guy that I'm talking about is Hayden Hurst, the former first-round pick out of the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Um, He is now going to the Atlanta Falcons, Mm -hmm. where he was traded for uh, with with a pretty lengthy trade. Um, And... The one thing that I am very excited about for for uh, Hayden Hurst is the loss of Austin Hooper, who's now oh, yeah. in the Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I just want to bring up a couple things. So, in the first 10 weeks of the season last year, Austin Hooper was the number one tight end. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think of, like, a, a guy who's usually, like, a number one tight end, whether it's in real life or fantasy, I don't think anybody really thought that Austin Hooper was ever going to do it in his life. No. Um, but here he is. Now he, he got a new mega contract in Cleveland. Um, and now with Hayden Nurse coming in, I think that he can definitely provide a lot of value. Um, I don't know if he can provide the same amount of value as Austin Hooper did, 
But man, have the Atlanta Falcons been a tight end heavy team? I mean, they've been averaging like 125 targets to the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is the volume going to be guaranteed, but Hayden Nurse is actually a very capable tight end. I mean, to be fair, he was the backup for Mark Andrews last year, but at the same time, they, but he has a high pedigree, first rounder. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think already Matt Ryan is starting to say he's one of the most athletic tight ends he's ever seen, mm-hmm. which is crazy coming from, you know, Tony Gonzalez that he's played with. Yeah, you know that that's 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 pretty wild. That is um, a big so goal. I I really really like Hayden Hurst coming into this year. Yeah, one thing that that I'll say to counter that, and and by no means am I saying am I trying to shoot down Hayden Hurst because I adore Hayden Hurst. In fact, his ADP is really starting to climb up there to a point that's making me a little nervous um, <laughs> and making me blush a little bit. But holy moly, I mean, I'm really excited for Hayden Hurst. I mean, the opportunity that he has to take over what Austin Hooper did is exciting um, for for the price that he's going at is something that I that I really like. But the thing that I'm worried about is that they also brought in Todd Gurley. And one of the reason, one thing that if, if you look at Austin Hooper's career, he was a guy that really only got maybe like two catches a game up until last year. Um, and then he just exploded out of nowhere. But, but really, there, there's a theme behind that. And what the theme was is that they couldn't run the ball. Devonta Freeman couldn't run the ball to save his life. And so they had, to, they had to run through the air. So they had to pass these short dump-off passes to Devonta Freeman and to Austin Hooper. And that's when Austin Hooper blew up is when he was getting these underneath balls because Devonta Freeman didn't know how to run a football anymore. And so I'm worried that maybe Todd Gurley, his knee will hold up and he can be prolific and he can run the ball better than Devonta Freeman has been able to over the last two years. And they won't really have a need to throw the ball to the tight end. What do you have to say about that? Do you think that Hayden Hurst is risky or do you think that where you're drafting him is fair enough to, to mitigate that risk? Like, like I said before, um, you know, the, the tight end position has definitely been one to own uh, for the Falcons. You know, with the exception of last year, it's been pretty capable. So even if um, Hayden can get, you know, three-fourths to like a half of what uh, Austin Hooper did this past year, I think he's definitely going to be worth the value. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of what-ifs and but-ifs. If, uh, you know, Todd Gurley can get back to his peak form, which I personally don't think he will. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he does provide another – uh, pass catching running back option back there so uh, who knows maybe they could get him more open we don't know hey, yeah Hayden Hurst is one of the tight ends I'm most excited about and the other one that I am also most excited about is my sleeper Mike Kosicki and Mike Kosicki is the tight end for the Miami Dolphins man I can't remember the last time the Miami Dolphins had a relevant tight end I mean they tried Jordan Cameron out they tried Orange Julius out um, and none of them really did anything uh, and I can't even really remember anything before that. But um, but let me let me let's just let's talk about Mike Kosicki. Let's hear it. When Fitzmagic Ryan Fitzpatrick was the guy, Kosicki averaged six and a half targets per game, putting him on a 104 target pace over 16 games. There are only uh, let's see here. There are only four other tight ends with more targets than that. Kelsey had 134. Kittle only had 107. So only three more. Zach Ertz had 135, and Darren Waller had 117. And, then, and out of those guys, only three of them had a higher yards per catch. Uh, Ertz was below him at 10.4. Gesicki was a little bit higher than that. And 
I don't know. That's, that's, that's exciting to me for a guy that's going as late in drafts as he is. I mean, almost undrafted. Mike Gesicki is going almost undrafted. And for a guy that could potentially end up as the tight end five, maybe even four, um, is exciting. Now, I know, I know a lot of this is riding on the idea that Fitzpatrick will be the guy for the majority of the season. And I say that because I think that's how it should be. Tua is a guy that needs to get in NFL shape, and, he, and, and, and his hip injury worries me. Um, and plus, before the season, he, him and his agent did state that he would be willing to sit a year to learn. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to do that. Um, and, and I will say that uh, his catch percentage had a huge drop from 69% to 57%. So his rookie year, he was catching balls at 69 percentile. And then this last nice. year, <laughs> he was catching 57% of balls. And so we can expect that to go pretty back to normal. Um, so we can expect that 57% catch rate to go up, which is very exciting. Um, and 69% would put him 2% behind Travis Kelsey, who was only catching balls at a 71% uh, catch rate. So if I were to uh, stand there's- out- Man, there's there's a lot of things. Sorry, go ahead. If what I was going to say is, I mean, if you if you look at his 2019 stats, he had 51 catches for 570 yards and five touchdowns on 89 targets, and he had 135 fantasy points, making him the tight end 12 in PPR formats. What I expect his 2020 floor to be, I think that you could easily see him jumping up to 72 catches for 805 yards and six touchdowns on 104 targets, which would make him the tight end seven with about 189 fantasy points. I think that that's something that you can realistically expect from Mike Kosicki, which is a pretty big jump for a guy that's going this late in drafts. Oh, yeah. For the price, I think it's 100% worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with their new offensive coordinator, Chad Gailey, um, he – in his past uh, couple teams that he's worked with, he hasn't really had a tight end that's been capable of, uh, you know, having the same athletic feats that Kaseki does. I mean, Kaseki is a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, their the OC Chad Gailey had like Scott Chandler to work with. That was their best tight end uh, for a while until mm-hmm. he stumbled across Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, the other freak of nature and mm-hmm. guess what he did with tony gonzalez he sent him to he the, had the 155 targets oh. as a tight end yeah that is ridiculous that's monstrous um now while i don't think that he's going to get that many targets because <laughs> I, I don't think that kaseki's tony gonzalez yet mm-hmm. um i do think that there's a lot of potential for him in the offense going forward um the one thing i am concerned with is um, a healthy preston williams coming back that's He's adding another, another receiving threat to the team. Um, they brought in Matt Breida, who can definitely be transformed into a pass catching running back mm-hmm. at the backfield. Um, and it's not like, you know, Devontae Parker's going anywhere, so he's definitely going to be one of the mm-hmm. main guys there. Um, and then as far as the QB splits, we don't really know what it's going to be yet. So if it is Fitzpatrick for a majority of the season, then I definitely think that he's got a huge potential to have yeah. a breakout year. Yeah, I mean that's one thing I was going to bring up is I'm is it seemed that he really took off when Preston Williams went down, and so mm-hmm. and, and like you said, Matt Breida is a phenomenal third down back, um, really high yards per carry, and he has great hands. Um, but kind of similar to the idea of uh, of, of Jared Cook, Mike Kosicki is going as the ninth pick in the thirteenth round. Um, so he is, I mean, he's 
probably the last tight end I'd be willing to take a shot on. Um, and so for that kind of a price, I think that the risk is, it, it's just not enough to compare to how cheap that is for a guy that could potentially finish as a top five guy uh, out of, out of his position. So uh, I, I'm definitely very excited for Gasicki, but keep in mind that, you know, there is the risk that um, Tua will come in and be the starter sooner than we think. And in Alabama, Alabama doesn't really use their tight end. And so Tua is not used to throwing to a tight end. Uh, and then you have right. the guys, the other options um, that haven't been there before. So Tyler, who is your second sleeper? Well, my second sleeper is a guy that has been pretty consistent over the past couple of years. I mean, he said back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Um, mm-hmm. He's on a really crappy team. Jarvis Landry. And his name is actually Tyra Boyd. Wow. I, I was surprised to see wide this. wide receiver. The wide receiver out of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so You're really going to have to convince me on this. Okay. Listen to me. AJ Green didn't play a single snap last year. Right. Um, which really, I feel like, put a lot of pressure on Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. for him to carry the load of the offense, yeah. especially considering that Joe Mixon couldn't really get involved too heavily considering that their offensive line is pretty garbage. Anyway, um, it's hard for Tyler Boyd, to slot receiver, to carry the load when there's really no viable outside threat. And the last time that... Tyler Boyd was playing with AJ Green. Um, they were averaging roughly the same amount of points per game. I think Boyd was averaging around 16 points per game, uh, PPR format, and AJ Green was averaging around 18 points per game. So when they're both on the same field at the same time, man, they they really light it up. And that was with none other than the Red Rifle. I hey, don't hate on Andy Dalton. <laughs> he is so underrated. He is underrated. He's actually a, a pretty average QB. Mm-hmm. Which, average I mean, is, is a perfect word. Hey, that, that's that's a compliment in the NFL. You know, yeah. he's going to um, be one of the better backups, no doubt. Exactly. Uh, might overtake uh, Dak Prescott. You know, you know. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, anyway, sorry to speed it up a little bit. Um, the number one overall pick is actually coming into the Cincinnati Bengals offense, who is none other than Joe Burrow, who just previously set the record for pretty much like every passing category um, outside of a couple, you know, I think, uh, Oh, what's his name? Who's the, who's the guy on the Redskins now who is on the Vikings? Oh Oh, man. man. I don't even know who you're talking about. We'll get back to that later. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what really intrigues me is that Tyler Boyd is, in my opinion, very similar to Justin Jefferson, one of the slot options out of LSU. Mm-hmm. And these kind of stats that Justin Jefferson put up with Joe Burrow in college is ridiculous. 115 receptions, 1,540 yards, and 18 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm definitely not saying that Tyler Boy is going to get the kind of stat line in the NFL. That's, that's pretty crazy. But at least you've seen that a slot receiver with – uh, Joe Burrow can thrive. And I think that with the addition of AJ Green being healthy, T Higgins on the outside, drawing off some coverage, one of their other uh, receivers that they picked up in the draft. I think that at his value, he's going to blow up this year. I think that he is a safe pick. He's not a very sexy pick, not a pick that I would, that I would love to have on my team. Um, 
especially when you're getting that late into drafts. I like to take a guy who I can take a shot on, like Deshaun Jackson maybe, or even maybe like a Jerry Judy, um, just to kind of see what happens. But mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd had almost 150 targets last year and only caught 61% of his balls. That's not very exciting to me. Um, I mean, I looked at one of his games, and one of his highest target totals, he had 14 targets in one game. You know how many points he came away that game with? How many? Eight. He had eight points by the end of that game on 14 targets. That's really hard to do. He caught five balls. He had 14 thrown at him. He finished with eight points. That means that he had five, he had five catches for 30 yards. That is anemic. It's embarrassing. And maybe he's better when you have A.J. Green um, taking up all of the coverage. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I expect Joe Burrow to throw the ball more than 500 times. I mean, Baker Mayfield, when he broke his records his rookie year, he didn't eclipse the 500 mark. Um, and Joe Mixon is there. He's a great running back. And, I mean, is, is Joe Burrow better than Baker Mayfield? Probably. I'd give it a 95% chance that he is better than Baker Mayfield. Um, and so, I mean, I, I – maybe he does cross the 500 510th mark but i just don't know if being a rookie even joe burrow the first overall pick will be able to support all of those weapons can he support aj green can he support joe burrow or joe mixon and can he support tyler boyd who has never really been that relevant until last year when he was the only guy around so um i think that he is a guy that has potential if joe burrow comes out and plays like an nfl veteran then yeah he will have value but I don't know if it, if if 2020 is going to be Tyler Boyd's year, but he's going super late that you can take the chance and you can cut him after week one. So uh, I don't think it's a bad Whoa. pick at all. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad pick. So let's jump into mine. Um, this is originally supposed to be Thatcher's sleeper that he was going to do a couple weeks ago, but unfortunately Thatcher hasn't been able to join us. He's been doing a lot of flying for his flight school, but his pick is Deontay Johnson. And this is really intriguing to me. This is one of the guys that I always wanted to do uh, for one of my sleepers, but Thatcher just beat me to the punch. And that's okay because I get to do him now. So um, if, you didn't, if you didn't know this before, Deontay Johnson, well, I'll, I'll ask you this, and, and you'll know the answer to the question, but who led the Steelers in targets last year? Mm. Wild, take, just take a wild I'm guess. I'm going to say Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is the correct answer. A rookie, a rookie led the Steelers, one of the most prolific offenses over the last 15, 20 years in targets. Um, Over the last 10 years, the Steelers have averaged around 542 pass attempts per year. And that's 40 more than they'd averaged last year. Last year, they barely crossed 500. And Big Ben usually averages about 540. And and sometimes it's even more than that. Big Ben has gotten into the 600 before. Um, And with Big Ben, the team will throw more passes, more catchable balls, and not baby the offense. And what I mean by that is whenever you have a guy like Devlin Hodges, and Mason Rudolph, guys who are, are barely competent enough to be in the Canadian <laughs> Football League, let alone the NFL. Um, I just oh. don't know if, if they're not going to be – they're not going to trust those guys to open up the offense 100% and let them throw the ball downfield and make these risky throws that Big Ben has been doing his entire career. And so Big Ben is going is to throw these bigger plays. Right. He's gonna, he, they're just going to have more confidence in him, and so they're going to have you know higher-reward plays that they're going to be able to do when they open up the playbook. Um, Last year, the Steelers were bottom of the barrel when it came to points per game uh, and yards per game. They had 276 yards per game. In 2018, they had 403 yards per game. Now, I know, there, I know that 2018 was a big year for them. That was when James Conner blew up. They had A.B. and Juju, both in the 160-plus target area. <clears throat> 
And that's kind of what I wanted to lead into next is that 2018 was Juju's second year. 2020 is Deontay's second year. And Juju was behind AB, and Deontay seems to be behind Juju. Um, AB had 168 targets, and Juju had 166. So basically what I'm trying to say here is that the Steelers have no problem sharing the love with their second receiver if, if they think he's good enough. Now, is Deontay as good as Juju was compared oh, to AB? Sorry, do you mind repeating that? You kind of cut out there for a second. Yeah, so, so Antonio Brown in 2018 had 168 targets. Juju had 166. And what this means to me is that the Steelers are willing to involve their number two wide receiver almost as much as they're willing to involve their number one. And so I think that there's low risk and a lot of high reward for a guy that's going as late as Deontay Johnson is. It, it just proves that the Steelers can support two receivers. Um, and the fact that he led them as a rookie in targets, I don't think it's far-fetched to, to think that he can get close to matching what Juju did in 2018. But I'm not going to be that ambitious. I'm not going to stat him out for 150-plus targets. Um, I'm only going to stat him out for probably close to around 120-ish, which would be 30 more targets than he had last year. Now, I think that's on the very, very conservative side because I don't really think they have anybody else. I don't think James Washington is that good, and I don't even know who else they have besides James Washington on their depth chart. Um, James Conner, I mean, he can catch the ball, but is he going to be healthy enough? Um, And they don't really have anybody important behind James Conner either. I mean, they drafted Anthony McFarland, but he's not meant to be a bell cow back. And so that I I really think that as long as Big Ben stays healthy, this offense is going to run through Juju and Deontay Johnson. And we know that Juju probably can't do it by himself. And so I I really think that Deontay is being undervalued. Um, So I I wouldn't be surprised to see his targets jump to over 120. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if his targets jumped above 140, but I'm I'm going to be conservative and I'm going to stick to 120. And so last year, Deontay Johnson had 59 catches for 680 yards and five touchdowns and 92 targets at 163 points by the end of the year. I think it's very, very conservative to put him around for 2020, 75 catches for 863 yards and six touchdowns on 120-ish, probably more targets for right above 200 fantasy points. Um, I mean, that, that would immediately bump him up several spots. It would make him um, pretty close to a wide receiver too with upside. Uh, and, and like I said earlier, I think that he has the potential to be way better than 120 targets. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with a lot of the points that you're saying. I think he has a lot of uh, potential coming into this year, especially with Big Ben coming to back and him getting the haircut and the, the trimming of the beard and everything. Um, I think he's he's going to provide a lot better QB play than what they had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, I guess, negatives I have about him is that I'm not sure if he is going to be able to really fend off um, the other receiving threats. I know they drafted um, Chase Claypool this year. That's who, right. Claypool's uh, there. Athletic-wise, is drawing Megatron comparisons, which is pretty crazy to think about, mm-hmm. um, but still noteworthy. Um, I want to say that Chase Claypool ran like a four-four-two, maybe something like that. Four-four-three, uh, I think. Four-four-three. So he's definitely a speedster. Yeah, he's um, a they good also guy, have, and he's humongous. Yeah, uh, James Washington, for, for I think second-round pick. I'm not really sure if he's capable of overtaking him. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also brought in Eric Ebron to 
tight end from the Colts, um, who's definitely capable of taking away some red zone targets. Um, but I, like I said, I definitely think there's a lot of value for him. It's just the matter of can he fend off all those extra targets coming in. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's fair to bring up those those ideas. Um, but like I said, I wanted to stay on the conservative side, and I, and I don't think it's a complete stretch to put him at around those that, that target share. Um, but like you said, I mean Eric Ebron coming in and adding Chase Claypool that could really uh, you know the Steelers. I can't really remember a time where they had more than two relevant wide receiver options and so adding a third might make things difficult so I can definitely see that but at his price I think I'd be willing to take a shot so we're going to move into our first ever mock draft so we had to pivot Uh, we were going to do a fun little draft that we're going to save for later keep that a surprise Uh, but since Daniel had to leave we thought we would just uh, keep the fantasy football going and we would do a mock draft so what we're going to do is we're going to do a quick 16 rounds 10 teams PPR and Tyler we're ready to start right now are you are you ready to go I, I am absolutely ready. Let's do this. So in a nutshell, really quickly, right before I hit start, what is your elevator pitch on how you prefer to draft? So it kind of depends on the spot in the draft, but I generally like to knock out my my workhorse running backs early on because um, you're definitely not going to pick one of those guys up off of the waiver wire later on. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, go for some high-class receivers or, or – maybe tight ends and then really save the QBs for later on. Cause there's a lot of value yeah. this year. And that's, that's yeah. usually my strategy. You and I share a very similar draft strategy. So what this is going to look like is it's going to be uh, the starting lineup is going to be quarterback, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, and then two flex options. And then we're going to do, I think a, a six man bench with a defense and a kicker, but I'm sure we'll wait to take those until the last couple picks because we won't care that much. So we're going to get started. And uh, we draft on sleeper. We're doing a mock draft right now, and it's gonna it's gonna auto it's gonna it's gonna give us the second pick. That's gonna be the random one. Christian McCaffrey goes off the board. Tyler, I think that this is a pretty easy pick for us. But uh, but who are you thinking? I, I I'm leaning towards Saquon, but I wouldn't argue if you wanted to go Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I I think that Saquon is definitely one of the safer options this year. Um, even after his injury, he was still doing very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just I think that Saquon is one of the, the obvious picks here. Yeah, we're definitely going to take Saquon here. Um, uh, who, who who do you think would be the the next pick right here? I, I think that it should be Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know what's going on right here. Um, it should be going through much faster than it's going through right now. There we go. It's finally catching up. But Zeke goes off the board next. And then Michael Thomas, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Dalvin Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook is starting to fall a little bit just because of uh, everything that's going on with um, with the potential holdout. I don't think that'll end up being a problem. But uh, as we wait for the draft to come back around to us, um, what, what do you think we're going to end up doing here? Do you think that we're going to go super running back heavy or do you think we might go wide receiver here? Man, well, we got a, a swing pick coming up, so we we have a potential of going um, a really really good running back or uh, knocking out a, a great receiver to solidify our team. So Lamar Jackson is here, but uh, I don't. I'm not really wanting to take Lamar Jackson here. Do you have any interest in taking Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes? No, I'm I'm comfortable taking a QB later on. 
So am I. So some other guys that went off, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, Julio, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Hopkins, Josh Jacobs, Eckler, Kamara, and Aaron Jones. We are on the clock right here. We are going to take um, probably another running back here, I would assume, and then maybe a receiver. Tyler, what, do, what are you thinking here? It looks like we have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Todd Gurley, uh, Melvin Gordon. Um, some of those guys are here. Wide receivers available are going to be Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans. What do you think here? Well, there's a lot of options. And, you know, the running back names are starting to drop off a little bit for me, um, especially here at the top of the, the second round. Uh, would you be at all interested in taking a tight end here? Um, I don't think I'd be interested in taking a tight end here. Um, I think that we can get some value later, especially with how quickly the running backs are going to fall off the board here. What I would right. say is as much as I would like to take a ton of running backs early, um, I really like the value right here. Uh, may, I wouldn't be opposed to going Godwin Galladay here on the, on the turn if Galladay were to come back around. Um, or if, you know, we wanted to take Galladay first and then Godwin come back around. But uh, I'll give this pick to you right here. Do you want to go running back or wide receiver? Let's go uh, receiver right here. I feel like the running backs are all kind of clumped together at this point. So would you rather have Godwin or Galladay? I think I would rather have Chris Godwin, even though it is, I believe, a little bit riskier, but a lot higher reward. I think you're right. I think that Chris Godwin has the potential to be the number one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Alaire go. So right here, um, I'm looking at running backs, and I'm not super excited with what's coming next. Uh, I think the highest upside is Todd Gurley, a guy that could finish as potentially the first overall guy with the amount of times that Atlanta throws to the running back. Uh, and so um, – Goodness, as much as I would love to take Kenny Galladay here, I just think that running backs are going to fall off too hard. And so I am going – Tyler, would you be okay with taking Todd Gurley here? I would be comfortable taking him. So we're going to take Todd Gurley. We're going to see how the rest of this falls. Um, I think I would have been okay. Sometimes it's fun to try new things. And, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone wide receiver, wide receiver heavy in any of my mock drafts. Um, but it would have been interesting to have Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay on the same team. But immediately, sure. after, immediately after Todd Gurley, Travis Kelsey, Lamar Jackson, George Kittle, Kenny Galladay, Fournette, James Conner, Mike Evans, OBJ, Thielen, David Johnson, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith, DJ Moore, Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, and Calvin Ridley go off the board. And now it's back to us again. And uh, the top of the draft board, we have Le'Veon Bell, Jonathan Taylor, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, um, Mark Ingram for wide receivers on the board. We have uh, one of Tyler's favorite guys, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, A.J. Brown. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a guy that likes to go running back heavy. And so if I had to take a pick here, I think my pick would be Le'Veon Bell. I think that he is a, a safe pick. He's pretty much guaranteed to have 250 carries. And his he had, you know, on, on so many carries, he had so little touchdowns. And I really expect his touchdowns to go up. So I really like Le'Veon Bell here. Um, but if you want to override me, I'm fine with that. What do you What do you want to do here? No, I'm completely okay with Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think he's due for a bounce back year. Whether or not that's going to happen um, with the improvement of the offensive line or just hopefully the firing of uh, Adam Gase, mm -hmm. <laughs> which we all which we all want and hope for. Mm -hmm. um, man. 
So do you want to go heavy here on running back, or do you want to take another wide receiver and stay relatively balanced? Or maybe do you want to look at tight ends and quarterbacks? I personally think we can wait on quarterbacks. Hmm. Man, there's look, a lot of value in tight look, end here. Looking at tight ends here, Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, Darren Waller are still here. But, you know, I, I still don't know if I, I – I would, I would say no to tight end. But, Tyler, I'm going to give you this pick. Who do you want to take here? Man, um, I feel like if we're gonna if we're gonna go into this, I like going through a balanced approach. So I would personally probably take a receiver here. Um, as for the receivers, I would probably lean towards Cooper Cup or maybe even Amari Cooper. I feel like a lot of people are giving him crap for falling off hard, but then again, he was pretty injury prone towards the end of last year so we're going to take cooper cup because amari cooper was actually taken one spot ahead of or jonathan taylor and amari cooper were the people that went in between us we don't have a full swing pick we are the second overall pick and so that means that there's going to be uh, one other team ahead of us that actually has the swing um and so we took yep, cooper cup sniping us. <clears throat> which which i think cooper cup last year you look like you had the the wide receiver one overall until they switched to the uh two tight end system and so it, it's interesting to see what, what the Rams will do. I personally think the Cooper Cup is the best receiver that they have, and so I think that they're going to get him involved regardless. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of good guys went off the board, a couple tight ends, um, not too many, not, not a ton of running backs. It's a pretty balanced approach. So what we're looking at right now in the wide receiver market is Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin, Stephon Diggs, Marquise Brown, um, and A.J. Green and Devontae Parker, a lot of guys that I'm very, very happy with. Um, but, you know, we only have three running backs, and running backs are really starting to fall off the board really fast. We've got <clears throat> DeAndre Swift, Damian Williams, Darius Geis, J.K. Dobbins. Not a lot here. Um, I don't really like any of this value right here. Um, and so, you know what, Tyler? I, I might be willing to just double up on wide receivers here at this swing. Um, I don't really like the value at running back. What do you think? Yeah, I, I feel like with those guys um, in the sixth round, I would personally probably wait maybe a round or two on those guys. Um, so definitely double it up on either receiver or even going tight end here, I think would be the move. So I looked at tight end, and Darren Waller is available. Gronk, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst. I personally think we can wait one more um, you know, maybe one or two more picks and then take a tight end with our eighth or ninth pick. I think that a guy like Evan, uh, like uh, Hayden Hurst or Mike Kosicki will fall to us, guys that we talked about today, um, potentially with our eighth or ninth round pick. Um, my vote here would be to double up on wide receiver. What do you want to do, Tyler? Yeah, I'm perfectly okay with that. So then who are the, who are the two wide receivers you would want to take? Man, there's a lot of good names here, but if I had to pick – one and then you pick the other um yeah i'll give you the first one i feel like the guy that i'm kind of gravitating towards right now is uh terry mclaurin scary terry okay we're gonna take terry mclaurin he's not the guy that i would have taken but uh but like we said earlier he's a guy that has a lot of upside he's a guy that i'm that i think is super exciting so i'm gonna take another wide receiver here and for me it's between three guys um, it's between Stefan Diggs, AJ Green, and Devontae Parker. Um, man, I think that 
all of these guys have a really high ceiling and all of them have also a pretty interesting floor. <clears throat> but because of that, I think I want to go with the guy that um, whenever he plays the majority of the season is always a top five guy. And so with that, I'm going to, I'm going to take a shot on AJ green. So we're going to see. Yeah, what that's your boy. I just like his value a lot this year. Um, I really think that uh, that he that he could he could be back up to one of the elite guys at least for another year or two. Um, so looking at looking at what's going off the board right now, not a, only not a single tight end has gone yet. Gronk has gone just now, and which I'm okay with. Happens. Yeah, I'm okay with Gronk leaving. So Tyler, do you want to take your tight end here, or do you want to wait uh, to see what happens over the next two picks? I think we can take our tight end on our quote-unquote swing pick mm -hmm. um, but for now there's actually a couple good running backs that I've been kind of eyeing uh, I'm not sure about you yeah so one of the guys that I'm looking at the most right here is Jordan Howard I just think that he's a guy that's a lock to probably get you know 12 to 16 carries a game um, and he's one of the last starting running backs available who are you looking at Tyler well, I would actually go the opposite of you. If we were going to choose a Miami running back, I would probably lean towards Matt Breida. Um, either that or James White. I feel like uh, Cam Newton definitely showed that he can provide a, a very healthy pass catching running back. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that James White is Christian McCaffrey, but at the same time, uh, Cam Newton has definitely shown that he can throw to the running back a lot. So – with that, with that kind of idea, would you be willing to take a shot on Keyshawn Vaughn and basically maybe the new James White for the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers? I think right now his his name is definitely rising, and I want a guy who can start right away and kind of give me the early season value. So I would rather personally take a non-rookie running back here. Um, I'm not sure what your your thought process is. All right. Well, we've got about 90 seconds left to make this pick. Um, you're leaning towards Brita. I'm leaning towards Howard. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, I, I'm just going to take Howard here, mostly because Sleeper is being really laggy right now, and I can't even find Matt Brita. So we're going to take Howard on this pick, and, uh, and then we'll take um, your tight end, hopefully, when it comes back around to us which he did. Very happy about that. So we're going to take Hayden Hurst. Is, is that agreed? That is good with me. I am very happy with the value that we got on Hayden Hurst. I think that we, that we really, uh, really broke into the bank vault on that one. I think that Hayden Hurst has a lot of potential um, and to get him this late is very exciting. So looks like there's a tight end run going on right now. I have an Ingram, Tyler Higby right off the board. Drew Brees has been taken. I was hoping that maybe he would sneak back around to us. Um, but you know what? That's okay. Um, well, you know, you got to stay flexible and be able to pick a guy's man. I was really hoping Matt Breida would come back around to us and we missed him by two picks. Let's just take a gander over, over on at quarterback, <clears throat> Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers are available. Um, I think that, you know, Matt Ryan is a guy to be willing to take here. Um, he just has a lot of options, but I, you know what? I'd also be really happy because I think a guy that could finish around the same level as Matt Ryan, maybe even higher as Matthew Stafford. And he's a guy that I think that we could wait for our next turn. But if you wanted to take Matt Ryan here or Aaron Rodgers, I'd be okay with that too. What do you want to do? You want to take a quarterback on this turn or the next turn? Uh, personally, I am comfortable 
with the guys after Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. Josh Allen and Carson Wentz are the guys that I've been eyeing. Interesting. Okay. So then let's, let's look at our running back options here. Um, Carry on Johnson, Latavius Murray, Zach Moss, Daryl Henderson, um, Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson, Chase Edmonds, Justin Jackson. Let's see here. If I had to take any of these guys right here, there are about, ah, gosh, there's probably four names I'm looking at. I'm looking at, well, a- actually at this pick, I'm looking at either Carrion Johnson or Justin Jackson, in my opinion. I think that both of those guys are in a very similar system where Carrion Johnson is, is one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most talented running backs in the NFL, but he just can't stay healthy. And then Justin Jackson now seems to be in that Melvin Gordon role from last year where he could get goal line work and um, a lot of in between the tackle runs. Um, what, are, what are you thinking right now? Um, I think personally, Justin Jackson is probably going to be on my not draftable list mm-hmm. just because they invested a pretty high pick in a running back. Um, and so I feel like he's going to try and take over the the role for Justin Jackson and carry on Johnson. While I, I really do love him. Uh, the, the pick of DeAndre Swift kind of worries me. Um, but I think that's kind of what he needed. He needed somebody to take the load off of him because it, it, it's kind of been proven over the past couple of years that he hasn't been able to, to carry that full workhorse load. So then do you want to, do you want to take a guy like Karrion Johnson or do you want to look at, look at somewhere else or maybe even a wide receiver right now? I, I think we should definitely snag Karrion Johnson. Okay, I feel we're like going to take would... carry on. I'm excited about that. I think that carry on has, I think he has more value than people give him credit for because I don't think that DeAndre Swift is going to come in and take all of it away. I think the carry on Johnson, right. that he's a talented guy. So, alrighty. What do you want to do here? I'm, I'm kind of stuck. I, I'm, I'm fine to go with any direction. I'm fine going quarterback, running back or wide receiver here. I'll give you the pick. Oh man. Well, there's there's some interesting names in the QB and receiver department, but if I had to go one, I would, I would be pretty comfortable taking a QB right now. Um, I, I think I'm leaning towards Carson Wentz. What about really? you? You know what? I think I would lean Matt Ryan, but I told you I would give you the pick, so we're going to take Carson Wentz. Bet. I think that either way, you can, it, it's, as long as Carson Wentz stays healthy – Carson Wentz is, I mean, he's an MVP level uh, player. And so I don't think that it's a bad pick at all. Mm-hmm. Especially with the receiving options that they, they added. Mm-hmm. And so just, I mean, so, so just to kind of reflect, would you rather have Pat Mahomes in the second round or Carson Wentz all the way down in the 11th? Man, I, I feel like I would rather have Carson Wentz at the 11th Yeah, at the value. It's just, it's insane. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's let's just take one more look at running backs. I think that they're going to be pretty bone dry at this point. But uh, there's two names that I'm, or there's really only one name that I'm interested in right here. Or you know what? There's two names I'm interested in. I'm interested in Duke Johnson, and I'm interested in Chase Edmonds. And if I had to take my pick, it would be Chase Edmonds purely because um, David Johnson is not there anymore. And even as the number two last year behind Kenyon Drake, David Johnson still had value. And then when Chase Edmonds came in and was the starter, you know, he had 120 plus yards and three touchdowns. And I also don't think that Kenyon Drake can last an entire season as a starter. Now I'm not banking on on Kenyon Drake getting hurt, but I do think that Chase Edmonds will have value behind Kenyon Drake 
um, as a as a as a group as a great handcuff. And I think that Chase Edmonds is a good shot in the dark for our last running back. Um, but I also like the wide receiver value here. I really really like Jamison Crowder and Deshaun Jackson this year. So I'll tell you what, Tyler, um, you pick what position, and I'll pick the player. Okay. Um, let's go. Let's go receiver here. Speaking okay. spicy. So I am the kind of guy that when we get this late in the draft, I like to take a shot. And so I'm going to take Deshaun Jackson because I think that Deshaun Jackson might be the only healthy starting receiver available by the time the, the season comes around. And so I, you know, I'm really happy with taking a shot on Deshaun Jackson, who last year in pretty much the only game he played, he had like 12 targets, eight catches for over 120 yards and a couple tutties. So um, I'm pretty excited with the upside that Deshaun Jackson has. So Tyler, do you want to pair him with Jamison Crowder or do you want to take Chase Edmonds here? Man, there's so many receivers that I really like here, but at the same time, you know, like we've been saying in this season, you're going to be able to get uh, one of these these great receivers off the waiver wire. So I feel like to get him ready back here would be the move. All right, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna take this I'm gonna take this pick and I'm gonna take Chase Edmonds. I'm happy with this. At the same time, you know, it, it it's I think Jamison Crowder would have been a great pick because he might be one of the only receivers this late that you can find that's going to have more than 100 to 115 targets in their offense. So. I think that was a big mm-hmm. pick. Coming coming up here on the 14th, 15th, and the 16th, the last three picks that we have, do you have any um, any any want to maybe look at maybe spending one of these picks a little bit higher on a defense or a kicker, or would you rather just take one more skill position? No, I, I think right here I'm trying to go for my, my home run hitter. Um, and so I, I'm not sure what do you want if you want to – running back if you want a receiver if you want a, a tight end you know I think if if I were to if I were to pick my my home run hitter this late in the draft I think it would potentially be Anthony McFarland um but if you wanted to take a wide receiver I don't even know who you're who, who you'd look who is who is your home run hitter I'll give you the pick and John Brown looks like one of those names that could definitely be a sleeper this late I think Golden um, Tate's a sleeper too for sure. He's definitely like the one A on the team. Uh, even with Danny Dimes being a, a second year player coming out of it. <sighs> so But I'm gonna give you the pick. So you you make the decision right here. Okay. Um shoot, let's go Golden Tate. I think Golden Tate has a lot of upside from this late in the draft. Yeah, I like that pick. Now do you want to take kicker or defense with this next pick? I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference, but personally, I take kicker first just because defense for me, I usually like to stream mm-hmm. uh, week to week. Yeah, and honestly, I'm just aiming. I'm aiming for Justin Tucker, uh, Harrison Butker, or Will Lutz, just because they're going to be some of the three best kickers. So, would you rather have Justin Tucker here or Will Lutz? Let's go, uh, Justin Tucker. Yeah, I mean, he's a good bet for at least a couple 50-yarders on the year. Um, plus, the Ravens are going to score a lot of points, which means a lot of field goals. Uh, so, basically, you just want to take the kicker for the team that's going to score the most points. And so, uh, you know, the three guys I'm looking at this year are definitely Budker, Tucker, and Lutz. So, it's going to come back around. We're going to pick some scrub defense that we don't even really want to play with because, you know, nobody really likes to play with kickers and defenses unless you're a loser. So, um, with our last pick – 
Um, I don't think it really matters that much. There's the Chargers, the Saints, and the Titans. Um, do you do you really have a preference at all? Um, I would probably choose the Saints or the Chargers. I feel like they're the defenses they're going to give teams the most trouble this year. So I'm going to take the Saints purely because uh, I think the offense is going to have a heavy time of possession, and you want a defense that's good but also controls time of possession. Um, the less time a defense is on the field means the less opportunity for them to give up points. So, um, so that's going to wrap us up. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of the Benchwarmers and Waterboys podcast. Tyler, how did you like that team so far? Man, it, I feel like we we had a lot of. Uh, value on that team and that's yeah, that's I mean, something that i can't really say a lot coming from uh, a draft where usually like value is, is hard to come by mm-hmm. so let's just kind of run over the roster real quick we had carson wentz saquon barkley todd Gurley, chris godwin cooper cup hayden hurst Le'Veon bell and if sleeper will let me scroll down i'll tell you the rest of our team we had Terry McLaurin, Justin Tucker, New Orleans Saints, A.J. Green, Jordan Howard, Carrion Johnson, Deshaun Jackson, Chase Edmonds, and Golden Tate. You know what? I think I'm pretty happy with this. You know, I'm, I'm really pleased with that team. I am very happy. I'm definitely a guy that prefers to go very running back heavy, but, you know, I think we found some good running back sleepers in the end. So, But that's going to be it for us. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Benchwarmers and Waterboys podcast. Make sure to check us out on our social media, at Waterboys, where you can stay up to date, never miss a show. While you're at it, if you enjoyed the show, share us, tweet at us, like us, retweet us. You know, we love we love the involvement. We're having a good time. We want you to have an even better time than we're having. Um, but yeah, f- hit a subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, whatever you can do. Um, we love having you here with us. We like to think this is a family. So uh, once again, thanks for joining us on the Benchwarmers and Waterboys podcast. We're out of here. See ya. Bye-bye.